I'm going to get it right into our word so we have uh, plenty of time for, for God's word this morning. I've been in a series called Help. We've looked at uh, Help, I Feel Useless, uh, Help, I'm Afraid, uh, Help, I'm Being Attacked. Uh, we've looked at different uh, areas where we feel like we're helpless or need help. And in this possibly, more than likely, is going to be our last Sunday in this building. Um, I thought, well, maybe I should have a different message to end this and then uh, have one of our brothers, a fellow minister visiting today. I joked with him. I said, oh, no, when you have another pastor visiting, you got to you got to really preach something good. I'm like, I, I hope this is good. No, I, I know that the Lord wants us to finish this series um, today we're talking about help. I'm angry. Uh, you know the the I, I, it's not irony because we know in the, the Holy Spirit how He moves things. But when I tell you that every time I'm preaching on a subject that week I get tested in it, I'm not kidding you. Like I is that week every time, and it's almost like God is just saying to me, "He's like, I want to make sure you're humbled before this message, so you don't start feeling like you got it accomplished, and everybody else here needs to hear it from you, right?" Um, so. This week, I had a little problem with anger because we're dealing with the city stuff, and there's a whole backstory we're not going into, but a certain uh, person in the city who has just been a strained relationship for the last year and a half, and and uh, I won't go into it, but finally they pushed the wrong button, right? I'm on the phone, and uh, I have a, I've, I've talked faster than my dad. I, I talk higher than my dad. There's been times in life when my dad's lowered his voice and that boom happens and it's like your spine all of a sudden starts crackling and stands upright, and, you know. And I heard that come out on the phone. I, I heard my dad's voice come out and I realized uh, I'd crack the whip and this isn't my son to be cracking the whip at, right? And um, I felt bad because, you know, the, the thing is is that it takes so long to try to repair those things when they happen, right? So we've looked at the acronym HALT. Uh, what does HALT stand for? Someone, I just want to see if you've been listening. Yeah, say it, say it in the microphone. Hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. Right. Very natural human uh, things, right? Dynamics. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. They become very uh, spiritual, though, very quickly, right? Because sometimes hunger can drive you to, um, I mentioned about that horrible true life story about alive where the people were stranded on a mountaintop plane crash and they were having to decide whether to eat the dead right uh you know everybody's eyebrows that's funny when i talk about that everyone in here their eyebrows go because it just messes with you right and then sometimes you know anger and hunger they run together they're connected and get hangry right <laughs> loneliness will drive you to a lot of things being tired and so we have to watch those things you know, I'm not a big sports fan. Everybody knows that. But, you know, if I think about sports, there are certain sports you think about anger and fights. Hockey would be the number one to me, other than, like, ultimate fighting, you know, or, or wrestling. But, you know, hockey, they're always beating on each other, right? Um, but really, the one that sticks out, because my nephew Andrew, I've never really been into baseball that much, but since he is, I pay more attention, but... You know, there's that, that picture we have in our head where someone's made a call that someone didn't like, and what's the other guy doing, right? Right? Did I do it right? Is that how it goes, right? Like, I can't hit you, I'll get thrown out. But you got shine, a nice, clean shoes, I'll kick dirt on them, right? And, and so we have these pictures of people, like, losing it, you know, in the ten, intensity of a, of a game. Well, you know, it makes me think of the Yankees and the Red Sox. Uh, some back some time, they're in the heat of a pennant race, and every game mattered. 
So they couldn't afford to lose one. And so during a loss to the Baltimore Orioles, Kevin Brown, star pitcher for the New York Yankees, lost his temper and hit an immovable object. He smacked his fist into the wall of the, of the dugout, right, of the stadium, and broke two bones in his hand, causing his team to be without him. And for several weeks, he was dealing with the pain and agony of that. So his childlike tantrum cost him and his team dearly. And the problem is he simply could not control his anger. And then Andrew, like this one, he has a dog named Ranger, Texas Rangers relief pitcher, right? Apparently some fans had trash-talked him more than he could take. How many has ever been trash-talked and it just kind of got to the point you, you couldn't resist anymore? You had to do something, right? And, you know, and some of you have heard the story over and over about Jennifer and I, when we, early on in our marriage, before the kids, we were into healthy you know, eating and all this and protein drinks and something that week, we don't know what we were arguing about, but she'd been pushing my buttons all week and I had, I just said, I'm done. And I'm standing in the kitchen on tile floor with this indestructible mug, right, of protein drink, chocolate, about that big. And she said the other word. I said not one more word, but she said the word. I don't know what it was, but she said it. <laughs> and that thing left my hand and hit and was like shrapnel, boom. It was like a sprinkler turned on, protein drink everywhere. For years, we kept finding little specks. We thought we'd clean it all up, and we'd laugh because it was remnants of that, that moment of anger, right? But on the Texas Rangers, their relief pitcher, Frank Francisco, snapped. Apparently, some fan trash-talked him way too much, and he picked up a chair and threw it into the stands to hit that guy and missed and hit a lady in the nose and broke her nose. He was suspended for the rest of the season, losing thousands of dollars because he couldn't control his anger. And it's not just the major league ball game players we're talking about. Road rage. I mentioned that was one area of the, a guy in our family who tim, tends to not have a temper. But you get me on the road and somebody tailgating my babies in the back, right? And the finger is going out, not that finger. The, the finger is going out the window. I saw you, Danny. You're thinking bad of your pastor right then. I saw it in his eyes. See, he's laughing, so he's, he's admitting it. Point the finger over. Pull over, buddy. I'm guaranteeing I got at least 50 pounds on you. Come on, let's go, right? I mean, people will stop their cars, fight in the street. You go to YouTube and put in road rage, you'll see where people pull guns on each other uh, over road rage, uh, shoot each other over the most ridiculous things. I mean, it's saving 30 seconds on the way to work, right? You get there, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm on time. I was going to be 30 seconds late. And you took people's lives, put them in danger over those 30 seconds. I missed the green light. Um, I almost had a wreck. I'm going to fight because I didn't get that parking place. I remember seeing a thing over in England on a video where a lady, uh, two ladies were about to get a last parking spot in a supermarket. And the one lady cut her off and took it. And next thing you see after that lady leaves, the other lady comes back around and just starts ramming the car until she rammed it out of the spot, you know, and got her spot. The things people do, I mean, give me a break. <laughs> anger has got to be one of the first things that happen when we start losing it, anger. And you, can, you just have kids and you figure that out. Like on a Saturday night when they're not even supposed to be in the same room before Sunday morning and there's chitter-chatter going on, right? Next thing they hear, dad's voice, boom, get in here now, two seconds. What are you doing? I have to preach tomorrow 
Get in your own beds, right? Kids get mad if they don't get fed. They get mad if you make them eat when they don't want to. They get mad if you're not holding them. They get mad if you're holding them, right? Get mad if you don't change your diaper. Get mad if you are changing their diaper. I mean, kids, right? And it's funny, though, adults sometimes, we get angry, we act just like them. The deal is, kids, they haven't learned to uh, control their emotions, restrain their desires, and so the same thing with adults. Sometimes we never grow out of that. We, we run the risk of anger taking control. But you know, anger is never the root of the problem. I've taught my kids that generally you meet someone with a bad attitude or angry, chances are whatever they're telling you they're mad about, it's really not that. It goes back a little bit. It's something else that they've never dealt with. Or never. That's why in churches, many times as people go, if they've been hurt at one church, they go to the other one without being resolved there, chances are they're going to perceive someone's doing the same thing that's happened to them before because they've not let go of that. They're so angry or hurt about it. But there's always a deeper issue. There's hurt or frustration, insecurity. So when you focus on the real cause, it's easier to control your anger. It's like this week I realized, you know, what I'm more frustrated with that city person I lost it with is not so much of the, the things they want us to do we got done in a Saturday. Okay? So why did I get so angry? They, they feel like they're helping us out because they're giving us till June to do our, our landscaping and some other things, right? I realized, you know what I'm angry about? is because I want to be done, 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 done. I don't want to have time to do this. I want to be done. And so in my mind, I'm putting an expectation on them. I don't want them to ask me to do anything else. We want to be done, right? And because I hadn't dealt with that and realized that's just not how these things go, sometimes you've got stuff to do later too. And so I let that get the best of me, and so anger came up. It really wasn't over the few things I was being asked to do. There's questions I want us to try to ask ourselves with this sermon. Uh, the first one is, when do I get angry? Next one is, when is anger okay? When has anger become sin? And what's the result of anger? And how do I deal with my anger biblically? Um, anybody else warm in here? Or is it just because I'm wearing a coat? Warm? The few people that know how to operate those, can we just, you have to do the hold thing. Take off hold. Let's, if, if you're cold, I'm sorry. That, that's when you should have yelled no. <laughs> Don't get angry. <laughs> When do I get angry? When is anger okay? When has anger become sin? What's the result of my anger? And how can I deal with anger biblically? I know I'm, I talk fast normally. I'm going a little fast, but there's a lot to cover. Just hang in with me. The first thing, when do I get angry? When I'm hurt. You know, I'm not going to go through all. You've heard so many of my stories over and over again. I give you the majors, leave out the minors. But, you know, listen, since I got sick with this tick sick, I had to start realizing sometimes I'm losing my temper or I'm getting upset or letting things bother me because I don't feel good. And I'm ignoring that, just thinking I have to go on anyway. I can't stay at home and not feel good. i got to get things done. But the, but the thing of that is if I don't keep control of that, then all of a sudden I'm getting angry about some situation when it's really just because I'm hurt. And that can be emotionally or physically hurt. Sometimes that source of hurt is a memory. One of the things Jennifer and I have found, we don't really, we'll do premarital counseling. We don't really offer up marital counseling too often, but the Lord will put situations in where we're like, 
okay, this, but sometimes we send people to professional Christian counseling. But the one thing we've noticed in, in relationships that can be the most harmful is if you're still arguing about something that happened five years ago or you're still bringing that up, you're living in the past and so you're building off that. So every time you get hurt now, it's really not so much the magnitude of that is what's causing that huge of a fight. It's because you're still bringing in and you're piling up and you're amassing this big arsenal of wrongs and you're pointing the finger about stuff that you've talked about a hundred times and everybody gets tired and frustrated and it just opens wounds. You don't understand why you're so upset. It's reminding you of something that happened a long time ago that you've never really dealt with. And that's why I bring up so many times is, you know, God says that when we ask for forgiveness from him, even though he has the power to never forget anything, this is the time he says, I will forget it as far as the east is from the west. And if you start walking west and you never turn around, you can never go east. And the same thing the other directions. God's saying it is not going to be possible. I will not allow myself to remember it. But yet when believer, when people become believers, one of their struggles many times is I've had people say, well, I, I, I'm, I'm signing up to be a Christian. I prayed the prayer. I don't want to be baptized because I get embarrassed in front of people. And I don't want to do that. But this, this dynamic, I don't believe, you know, baptism is, is you can't be saved if you haven't been baptized. Okay, I think Jesus died on the cross. Uh, the thief that accepted him that day didn't get a chance to get baptized. And he said it will be in paradise. So, but I think it's something God is... I know God has told us we should do that in obedience. But there's this dynamic that when we say, I'm not really going to go as far as to give up the past, which baptism is identifying Christ. I'm going down old and I'm coming up new, the new creation. I'm bearing the old person. And I'm saying, I'm just going to take them along. But you're basically giving Satan a, a window to just keep reminding you of what you used to be. And, and pretty soon you start believing, I've never really changed. I'm not on a path to change. I'm really the same person. And so that happens in our sinful arguments and our anger when we keep building on the past. There's a simple principle that hurting people hurt people. When you hang on to hurt and old hurts, you will continue to hurt other people. The second thing is when I'm angry is when I'm frustrated. Sometimes it seems like nothing's working right. Nothing seems to turn out right. We get frustrated, we get angry. It's like waiting lines, you know. The bank, and that one person's taking a long time, so you think you'll switch, and then that person takes a long time, and then all of a sudden that person gets a clue, and they go on. And you're like, if I stayed over there, and you're getting mad, right, over an extra 10 minutes. What about when I'm insecure? I get angry when I'm insecure. You know, even though I don't like to admit this, because it gives you the idea that I, I'm insecure all the time, but... It's not. When you're pastoring a church of this size, moving to where we're moving in that building and that responsibility, and you have these other pastors in the area that their churches are growing enormous, and they've got all their sermons planned out for 12 months in advance. You're like, how am I going to do that? I can't even figure out next week, you know? And you see all this? You start feeling insecure. Like, God, I'm going to fail. I mean, that guy should have this building and the prime property we have and all those opportunities. And I've got great people coming now to be part of the team, and I I can't lead them like they need to be led and insecure. And then next thing I know, anything can trigger anger because I feel down in the mouth. I'm down on myself. I'm not confident in what the Lord's called me to be, who he's made me to be. So when we're insecure, we get angry. 
Now, is all anger wrong? That's, that's a key question today. Is all anger wrong? The Bible indicates no. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27, Be angry and do not sin. So Paul's just saying, go every day and be angry, right? Just get up bed. As long as you don't sin. No. He's not saying that. He's saying that we will get angry. The point is what you do with that anger if you're going to sin. It says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give a place to the devil. And we learned in our marriage is even though you feel like you're getting vindicated, if you go to bed and just leave them still mad at you, God says, don't do that. You know, retaliation, leveraging, there's no place for that in marriage. Right? So that begs the question, when is anger appropriate then? When is it sin and when is it not? So when is my anger appropriate? Well, the first one is when it's righteous. Righteous anger. What is righteous anger? It's when we're mad about something that God is mad about. We're mad about millions of unborn babies being murdered. God, God is angry about that. I'm angry about that. You should be angry about that. It's what we do with the anger if it becomes sin or not. You can't walk out in the, the picket line and start throwing frying pans and knocking people clean out, you know, for, because you're doing it in God's name. You're now bringing back the uh, um, Knights Templar or whatever. I don't know. Whatever you're doing, the, the Crusaders. It's when we're angry about something. You remember Jesus in the, in the temple, the money changers? You know that's not if you sell coffee mugs to raise money for youth or something. You guys know that, right? That's not what the issue was, just selling things in the foyer. Our religiosity gets us pretty wound up about that quick. We're going to sell our hats in our foyer, so I hope that doesn't make you mad. But I'm not, I'm not selling them telling you if you want to be right with God, you got to buy my hat, right? you got to buy my hat, and you got to pay a premium for it. And what was going on is there was people taking advantage of the fact that they were still doing animal sacrifices and they were selling substandard stuff for way too much or charging people and gouging them and, and oppressing the people financially because they need to be made right with God and they needed the, the, if they didn't have it, they need to be able to purchase it. And it made Jesus mad and he drove them out. And he says to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. So when it's righteous anger, it makes God mad too also when it moves me to pray you know you can judge whether your anger is getting sinful real quick or not by whether it's driving you to do the right things like pray now don't use that don't don't manipulate that it's like i'm really want to knock that person out i'll pray for them then i'm gonna knock them out <laughs> but when it truly you have a heart sometimes there's things that make me angry that i'm like man i need to pray for that person because this is getting a wedge between us when it removes me to redemptive action, I want my anger to always move me to redemptive action. Isaiah 1.17 says, Learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, and plead for the widow. It makes me think about the movie a while back, true story about Sam Childers, machine gun preacher. He, he's an outlaw biker, finds out about how these child soldiers are being, you know, these people are... Uh, stealing kids in other countries and making them in child soldiers getting them hopped up on drugs and he literally takes machine guns and goes over and starts rescuing them by force now, i'm not advocating for that but there there was a there was an anger there that was driving him to redeem those to protect those who uh, are cannot protect themselves and as a church body our single moms our widows our orphans 
those in foster care, those. It should make us angry that they are hurting and we should defend them. We should take up arms for them. Number four, when it prevents harm. It's like when you get angry when your child plays in the street, you get angry at them. You're not telling them, I don't love you anymore because you play in the street. You say, I love you so much. I can't stand the thought of something that happened to you. I'm mad because I told you not to get in the street. And you did. Number five, when it teaches others what is wrong. Anger can teach others what's wrong. Look what Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. I love this. I love this excerpt. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, 8 through 12. For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I don't regret it. Let me paraphrase a little. Though I did regret, though I did regret it, for I perceived that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. Now I rejoice, not that you are made sorry, but that your sorrow led you to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. For observe this very thing that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligence it produced in you. What clearing of yourself, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. In all things, you proved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Therefore, although I wrote to you, I did not do it for the sake of him who had done the wrong. Now, I'm going to tell you, listen to this. I did not do it for the sake of him who had done the wrong, nor for the sake of whom suffered the wrong, but that our care for you in the sight of God might appear to you. This is a typical... Sunday situation. Preacher preached at me because so-and-so told about what I said to them, and he's preaching at me on their behalf. Right? Brother Randy, that, that's... Did you... I've had that happen, a call on Sunday afternoon. Were you preaching at me because of what we talked about this week? I'm sorry, this is one of the few times I actually organized enough I was prepared like two weeks ahead. This came before you. You know, <laughs> Right? Paul's saying, you know, like, look, I'm, I'm not the kind of guy I get happy because I, I wrote you a letter, I wrote you a sermon that made you mad. I'm not happy about that. But the result was is you repented and you be, it was a godly thing and it brought you back to repentance. So therefore, I'm not regretting it. But I did it first because it, you see the humanness in Paul there? It's like, oh, when you deal with conflict and you feel like, oh, maybe I should take it back. And you're like, no, this is really what they need to hear. Parents of grown kids, wayward Oh, it's so hard because you're now they're not going to come home for Thanksgiving. But they needed to hear it. I know God was stirring my heart, right? So I don't regret it, and I do regret it. I regret, I regret it in my natural humanness. But in, in the kingdom realm, I don't regret it because I'm wanting them to repent. So if we aren't supposed to sin when we are angry, how do we know when our anger has become sin? I want to help you identify that, okay? Listen up. When my testimony suffers. There's like this little radar. When you get closer and closer to the Lord and you, go, you begin to mature in the Lord, you almost have this radar. It's like, if I say that, it's going to do damage to my testimony. Now, when you're, when you're a baby Christian or you're immature in your faith, you, know, you may just let your mouth go and let God sort it out. But you, as you grow, you begin to think, I, I want to be very careful I don't damage the gospel and what it's done in me and my testimony. 
2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. So David said to Nathan, I've sinned against the Lord. And Nathan, faithful Nathan, says to David, The Lord also put away your sin. You shall not die. So you're at least not going to pay the ultimate penalty, right? However, because by this deed, you've given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. All those atheists are just cheering and shouting because they have ammunition now. And what many people are doing on Facebook is this very thing that David did in their own way. Sure, they're not paying ultimate penalty. God's not striking them dead. Sure, they get to go to church and praise and raise their hands and do all the things everybody else does and feel exonerated. But in the spiritual realm, what they've actually done is given the world more ammunition to blaspheme the Lord because they've damaged their testimony. It's also when I hurt others, Matthew 5, 21 through 25. You've heard it, you heard, have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whom Whomever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother Raka, which is just a harsh term to them, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Verse 23, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar. And go your way. First be reconciled to your brother. And then come and offer your gift. Your angry words are never forgotten. And they continue to hurt. Third thing is when I lose control. People never forget it when you lose control. And make a fool out of yourself. Galatians 5. Well, I won't read this one. It's a little lengthier. But Galatians 5. 19-26 uh, supports that. Number four, when it leads to other sin. So many sins from adultery to murder, gossip, are a result of anger. And they lead to other sin. They open the doorway. They open the porthole for, for the enemy to say, now that you're feeling uh, the conviction of that, I'm just going to heap it on. And so you get angry and then you begin to talk about it with other people and then slander others. And you end up from anger to gossip to sometimes people end up murdering someone over, over these things. Uh, number five, when I refuse to release it. When I don't release my anger, I become bitter, and that bitterness will destroy you and others. When people hang on to uh, anger, it destroys them and others. Number six, when it prevents me from forgiving others. The Bible is very clear. If you don't forgive others, God will forgive you. And when you don't have God's forgiveness, you have now removed his protection over your life and people are like, why is the enemy kicking me around? Sometimes we're like, boy, I just get attacked all the time, Pastor. I just, boy, it seems like every time I turn around, the enemy's. But if you're hanging on to unforgiveness, the responsibility rests on your shoulders because you're in direct disobedience to God's word. He's already told you, I can't forgive you. I want you to be under my protection. I want you to have right relationship with me. I want you to be reconciled unto me. But if you make the choice with your gift of free will to reject forgiveness of others I'm true to my word my promises and you've stepped out of my grace and now the enemy has an opportunity to really have play havoc in your life so when it prevents me from forgiving others number seven when it leads to revenge I've heard people say I don't get mad I get even and boy that's like warm butter on a biscuit in your mouth right uh, just to say the words even 
I don't get mad, I get even. We like to put up those protective barriers. Just beware, you mess with me and I'm going to bring both barrels, right? And, and it's almost like this prideful thing we do, like I'm tough. But the truth is, revenge has no place in the life of a believer. Colossians 3, 12-14 Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, also you must do. So when it leads to revenge, uh, and then listen to this. Here's the results of the anger. If you don't heed this, it destroys meaningful relationships. You'll lose influence in your job, in your family. You know, there's something we've noticed and we've, we've told to, to spouses over and over again, there's this interesting dynamic. If there's a disrespect between one spouse and the other, especially in front of kids, and sometimes they don't even have to hear it. They can sense it. You'd think the stronger one always wins out, right? Untrue. The kids always end up disrespecting the one who is doing the disrespecting. It's like this thing. They just get their payback, you know, right then and there. The kids will begin to disrespect and have no respect for the one who is disrespecting the other. Parents, if you want to lead strongly, biblically in your home do not argue in front of your kids take it somewhere else and let them see you respect each other i don't say things about us because we've got plenty to work on okay as bragging but i'm trying to give you examples it's it's what god speaks to my heart and i i pass it on to you to just say hey i had this moment where god is telling me it's like this morning we go to get in the van to come here and you know jen's been driving on sundays during the building project because sometimes I'm still driving to get my thoughts together. And I said, honey, I'm going to drive today. And then I stopped. I went out. Lily Jean's coming out. I said, here, you know, open the door, help her up. And I started to help her in. She goes, no, I got it. I said, no, honey, this is how we respond. Thank you, sir. And I'll say, you're welcome, ma'am. And we, we take those moments say, look, we're going to show each other love and respect because one day I don't want to be having to be put in jail over beating down some boy that's not treating you right right so we're going to start this now we're going to start this now keep your if you love your daddy and want to keep him out of jail you'll say thank you sir just go ahead and give them the end result then so they can already start thinking ahead of this is what we're building up to right we're it's incarceration prevention use the big words it's not someone else's fault um if you aren't doing what God has told you to do with your family, it's not somebody else's fault if your kids don't serve the Lord. Now, that's not for condemnation. The past is the past. God's forgiven you. Whatever's happened with your kids before today, if, if you ask forgiveness, God's forgiven you. Let's just talk about conviction, which is now, looking forward. Bring the respect into your home. When I'm filled with regrets, many of you deal with regrets, and I leave a destructive legacy. This is the results. I leave a destructive legacy. And number five, I am distanced from God. And that is the ultimate of ultimates because all hell is, all hell is, is a place that had to be created because when you eternally separate from God, the absence of all that could be good for you, the result is pure torment and evil. And so listen, anger can distance you from God. You don't want to start down that path. So help for the hotheads. 
Help for the hotheads. And this is closing. This is the third closing, a Pentecostal closing. I want to share some help for the hotheads. Remember when you're a kid and you're walking to the bus, you know, or you got to cross the street and you learn the little words, stop, look, and listen, right? Stop, look, and listen. I lived in a town of 6,000 people when I was grade school. If you stop, look, and you're trying to hear something coming, you might be waiting all day because there's only about three cars that are going to go down that street the whole day. But stop, look, and listen, right? We taught it all over the U.S. didn't matter where, how many cars. Um, it applies to this today. It's like when you come to a stoplight, you see red, you stop, look, and listen. When you see red, anger, you need to stop. Stop and think before you speak. Remember what I've said as many times when we're angry or we're dealing with hunger or lonely, tired, you want to say something in response to that, usually the first thing you want to say is not right. It's usually a second thing, right? We tend to say things too quickly, and it's the wrong thing. So stop and think before you speak. And why? Because when we're angry, our mouths run about three times faster than our minds. Proverbs 14.7 says, A quick-tempered man does foolish things. Proverbs 29.11 says, A fool gives vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. I used to be annoyed by quiet people, and now I'm amazed by them, their wisdom. <laughs> I'm amazed by them. I'm like, you, you've got a gift, brother or sister. You don't realize how much trouble I get in because my mouth won't stop. If I could only not say half the things I say, my life would be less stress. I'd live a lot longer. You know, things would be great. And then second, look, right? Stop, look. Look at the situation, not from your point of view, but from God's. And this is the kicker to all kickers. In our marriage relationship, once we got to the point, when we're starting to get angry with each other, we say, in my mind, you're not the enemy. I know who God is. I know who God has pointed out the enemy, and you're not the enemy. So now I become protective of her and I, not divisive between her and I. Now I realize I've got to protect my wife because the enemy's trying to get between us. And so now me, as called as a protector, I now put my arm around her and say, Honey, we need to pray because, uh, and she says, I'm not ready to pray. I want you to apologize, right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> we need to pray. I'll apologize first, then we need to pray, all right? Proverbs 19.11 says, A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is his glory to overlook an offense. Proverbs 12.16, A fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult. And then listen. Listen to the needs and the hurts. Um, you know, I'm surprised my parents still come to church here as much as I use them for examples. But, you know, when I was growing up, just like any teenage boy, you don't think your dad knows anything pastor or not and you know you get attitudes and lots of correction but I'll never forget that uh, it wasn't until later in life when uh, I think dad had a, a medical situation and thought he had a heart attack and he was ICU I think it was about the time I was going to Bible college and I remember sitting and I, and I think it was at that point I started actually hearing the story of how he grew up and all the hard times his family had and losing a brother World War II and, and all those things and I started realizing that the toughness I saw in my dad that used to aggravate me when I was a kid, that if I understood what he went through, then it made a whole lot of sense and a lot of difference on how I responded to that. And it's not just me and my family and your family. Parents and kids and grandparents and all. You know, if we stop and listen to each other, 
And I remember before my grandma passed away at 93, I, I went over to visit her, and for the first time I thought, you know what, I asked her if she had some old photos from like wagon wheel days, because she was old enough that she might have had, and sure enough she had like some old, old black and white photos, and we sat and talked about family, and it just opened my eyes to so much I didn't know about my grandma. And many times we're getting angry with people, it's because we just don't understand what they've been through. We don't understand the backstory. We're all broken in certain senses, and we all have a lot of healing to do, and sometimes all the way to our grave, we're still healing. And so we stop, we look, and we listen. It's a lot easier to listen than to wish we had the opportunity to talk again. Proverbs 17, 14 says, Starting a quarrel is like breaking a dam, so drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. And then finally, James 1.19, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And the fourth thing I'll just add in there is pray. Your Heavenly Father wants to commune with you like we prayed, like we, we sang today, to be in full communion, to commune with Him. And He will lead you, He will guide you, and He'll help you work through the anger. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for the awesome opportunity to stand in this pulpit and to bring your word to your people. And God, I am with them in that this is a struggle in this sinful world. Lord, with the pressures we have against Christianity and following you, God, with the, the time constraints and now, you know, Lord, nobody expects us to have a Sunday off. It's, it's work, 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 and everything's about uh, making the dollar. And Lord, we have all these pressures and yet, Lord, we come together to be strengthened today, and your word has strengthened me, and I pray it has done the same for others here. God, I pray that when we leave today, we don't let this message settle here, but that we hide it in our heart, that we may not sin against you, that, God, we meditate on it, we let it capture us and change us. And, Lord, right now as I'm speaking, I pray that there is prayers of resolve and dedication to not sin in our anger that right now there's scenarios and things that played out through our minds to this sermon and there's real life events that have taken place, Lord, and we need healing and we need direction. And most of all, we just need you every day right by our side, in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I love y'all and um, Wednesday night at 6.30, we'll still be here, but if you have time to help this week, uh, the RVers and I, we're taking, our family, we're taking tomorrow off. Uh, just, it's been a long week. We're taking tomorrow off. So if you go by, we won't be there. If you want to go and clean or something, I'll make sure that you know where a key is if you're just really at, ready to go. But we love you and have a blessed week.